Please do sit down. Yeah, good morning, everybody. My name's uh, Roger. I'm one of the uh, leaders of the churches. So good morning, everybody. Good morning. Fantastic. Just checking that they're all still there. I want to leave vibrant. Wonderful. Everybody problem free, free this week? <laughs> We're looking this morning at overcoming obstacles. And I had a wry smile on my face as, as Paul Ellis, who was leading Cafe Church yesterday morning, was saying, well, we're looking at overcoming obstacles. Let me tell you about my week. It got towards the end of the week, and I set aside a few hours to prepare for Cafe Church, switched on my laptop, pleased to buy my cup of coffee there, my laptop in nothing was working. Paul's pretty techy-minded, so he's then describing all the things relating to his computer that one would normally do under those certain set of circumstances where things are not working. Whatever he tried didn't work. So he had to find another means of actually seeking to prepare. Thought, well, thanks ever so much for the illustration, God, on overcoming obstacles. He then turned up yesterday morning, and Bruce was in the kitchen doing whatever, but had set the alarm off or something. We're not too sure uh, what happened in that uh, in that department. There was then no Wi-Fi, so Paul couldn't access songs, and it was story after story after story of obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Yesterday, we then turned up for this celebratory opportunity to remember and give God thanks that it's one year that we've been here in this building. Not that church is about uh, building, it's about people. But the fact that we've been having a presence on Pangry for 12 months, it's right that we then celebrate that. So we're going to do that to kick off in song no words on the walls at all and despite Andrea and Leo working at about 200 miles an hour and setting a new projector screen up here in temporary fashion there was a lot of obstacles to overcome and I dare say if we're honest you've had one or two today this week this month yeah Turn to the person next to you to share a quick obstacle that you've had to overcome in the last week. Go. You've got about 15 seconds. overcoming obstacles in the context of what Nina read to us uh, from Joshua chapter 6. We've been, uh, begun our series a few weeks back and we've got this month and next month going through the book of Joshua. So if you want to be ahead of the game and be obstacle-less or obstacle-free, why not seek to read the entire book of, ob- uh, of, um, of obstacles? <laughs> of the book of, oops, the book of Joshua uh, through that. Just want to uh, set the context a little bit because we, we spent the first couple of weeks looking in chapter 1. We've leapt forward now uh, to chapter 6. So before we think about this particular passage, I want to let you know what we've missed. God's people are on their way to the promised land. Moses has died and God says to his number two, Joshua, now, are you ready for this? Joshua, you, get ready, cross the Jordan. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Great words to hear from God. Be strong 
and courageous. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. God's people make a commitment to support him. They say this, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will obey you. Only be strong and courageous. Chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. The people, in essence, repeat uh, those words of what God had already told him. But what a response of God's people to his leadership. They will all then cross the Jordan and fight, but then it won't be then that the two and a half tribes and the twelve will then return uh, with their wives and children east of the Jordan. And we thought about that particularly, about what all that tribe stuff uh, was like last Sunday evening over the heading, When Two Tribes Go to War. You can know the rest of the song words, I'm sure. Uh, some of you, we've already had 80s anthems in a Christian sense. Uh, well, about Frankie goes to Hollywood for a brief moment. In chapter 2, Joshua then sends two spies to suss out the land. They are helped by the prostitute Rahab that you heard referred to in chapter 6 through uh, through, um, enabling enabling, uh, her cooperation and her faith are both remembered. They're even then honoured in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31. Rahab's name is also listed in that rather elite list of names in Matthew chapter 1 in that massive long list of genealogy. We then see uh, the incredible, miraculous crossing of the Jordan. We're not going to look at that. Water supernaturally stopping, similar to maybe what happened in regards to the Red Sea. Chapter 3, verse 16, we read that the waters, it piled up in a heap. What must that have looked like? And then the whole nation, chapter 4, verse 1, crossed. The whole nation. That's a lot of people including an army of 40,000 men. No sooner than they crossed, then the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran in flood as before. Verse 18. We then get to chapter 5. There's a little medical procedure that the men need to undergo. Now you're intrigued, don't you? Think about that this evening. Joshua is then met by someone that declares himself as being the commander of the army of the Lord. He falls to his feet. What is this um, incredible word that is going to be brought to Joshua as he is in need before going and crossing uh, over into the promised land? I wonder what message God has for him through that messenger. I wonder what tactics about the battle that's going to ensue, about that cross, etc., etc., etc. Well, this is what we read in chapter 5, verse 15. The commander of the army of the Lord simply says to Joshua, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is home. Is that it? I was looking for all this stuff that was going to help me with this incredible mission that I got. That wasn't Joshua's response at all. All we read is Joshua did so. Joshua did so. There's times where it's right that amidst all the busyness, we've just got to stop and remember. This is God's strength, God's time, God's name that we're here for. And we need to remember that. Whatever we feel is the right thing to do, whatever we think we should be doing, whatever we want to do, what matters most is that we recognise the presence of God, we humble ourselves and we ensure that whatever we do, we know, is in response to what God is saying to us. 
And that's something that was really poignant to me as going through this passage this week. I'm in stacks of meetings. Last week, the week before, the week before that. And we say a little bit of a prayer at the start of each meeting, and then what happens? We've got this agenda about 30 items long. What are we going to do about this? Oh, we need to scratch our heads. And then we come up with all these solutions. And we hope that our initial prayer at the start actually carries us through and God responds to that. And I dare say he does in gracious fashion very often. But I was struck about what matters most, maybe, is to take more of that time out. Say, God, we need you to speak to us about what we need to hear right now for such a time as this. We're so clever, aren't we, to do the God thing on a Sunday for an hour and then we revert back to what is down to me to do and me to come up with and me to resolve. We're people that like thinking cope. It's all about being independent, is it? No, not the people of God. It's about us knowing what it is that God is saying to us. That's true for us individually as well as us corporately. What is it that we are doing? And is that in response to what God is saying or why something else is from ourselves or something from our name? If it isn't what God is saying, we're operating by another agenda, then we're going to be in trouble. That's the background. And then we get to chapter 6. This is the first thing I think that flows on from that that we get from chapter 6. God must be at the centre. It's easy to get carried away by Joshua's incredible leadership, by the marching uh, of the army, the worship group blowing their trumpets. I was hoping that Paul was going to be here this morning so that right on song we could get this loud blast of a trumpet, but he's not here. So it's going to need to come from you, okay? After three. One, two, three. That's pretty good. All the men were thinking, yes, this is something that I can engage with. Fantastic. That was so good. I think you should do it again. One, two, three. For those of you who thought, no, no, that didn't do it for me, apologies. But for others that were just about drifting off with the background and the history, you know, back in back with us, aren't you? Back in the game. The answer is yes, Roger. Okay. <laughs> Throughout this chapter, we see that this is all about God. It's not about the trumpets. It's not about the marching. Maybe not even about the walls coming down. Joshua chapter 6, verses 2 to 5. We see that introduced with the Lord said to Joshua. The Lord, the Lord is central because he is then mentioned in verse 6, in verse 16, in verse 17, in verse 19, verse 21, verse 26, and verse 27. We would have probably bypassed that and only heard about all the action, 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 because we want to get up and do it, see the business done. And it is a great story. Kids enjoy kind of like reenacting this story. But what is central is the Lord. If we are to take each of the times the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned, then in just 27 verses, we have 15 references that imply the centrality of God. With all the busyness going on, what needs to be central is God. What a reminder for me as an individual amidst my business. And yours too. What a reminder for ourselves as church that amidst the busyness, God must be central. Sharing this week uh, with someone who wants to join the church, and that's great. And they said, How can I be involved? I, I'm not sure that there'd be anything for me to do. 
<laughs> so I turn to our list of opportunities to serve that you can find online. There's about 80 opportunities there. It's not an exhaustive list. You said it again. There are about 80 opportunities of where you can serve God there. And of course, there's this, there's that. But amidst the business, God must be central. In terms of the cafe that's already been alluded to, well, that's, that's working about eight times a week. But amidst the busyness, God must be central. More than 20 charities use the facilities on a regular basis. Busyness, that God must be central. We do church here, not just this morning. Thank you for coming, but we did it yesterday morning. We were here yesterday afternoon. We'll be here tonight on something a lot more traditional at 6 o'clock. Then at the end of the month, once a month, we do what we call encounter. A freer opportunity to hear from God. Busyness, busyness, busyness. But what matters most is that God is central. Who's it all for? What's it all for? God must be at the centre. We had a, a theme one year as a church, which has probably stuck with me more than any other thing. It's simply called, It's All About Jesus. As we journeyed through Mark's Gospel, we could see, It's All About Jesus. Whatever it is that you're involved in, whether it's a ministry in church here, or whatever you're involved in in your life out there, it must all be about Jesus. Is that true for where we are involved? Is that true in the busyness of our own lives? Lots of conversations I have with lots of people. Very rare do I have in one of those conversations somebody say to me, do you know, I've got so much free time on my hands, I've just not known what to do with myself this week. The conversation would tend to start, life's been so busy lately. You think, yeah, I think that person said that last week or the week before, in that how hectic and stressful our lives can be. Amidst the busyness, which can be all good, God must be central. And we're going to see how through this chapter. Uh, but first of all, before we do that, as we see simply about uh, how we might maybe be a people who overcome obstacles in our life's journey, there's certain things that we need to be exercising. So, anybody up to zoom for some Zumba this morning? Charlie, okay. One, two, three, four, everybody. Up there, one, two, three, four, everybody. One, two, three, four. Both hands up. Two, three, four. Don't touch your toes. Nine, two, three, four. Big stretch. One, two, three, four. Fantastic. Give yourself a round of applause. That was brilliant. Okay. You'll remember the man that's made you, but hopefully that you'll need to remember this. These are some things that we need to be exercising. Firstly, well done, Andrew, for getting that music spot on there uh, on cue. We need to exercise faith. God promised Joshua victory, but he still needed faith to believe what God had said, especially when he heard how that victory would come about. Now, can you imagine Joshua hearing from God, and we know what Joshua heard from God, he's going to pass this on to all the leaders and look for their support. So they're there, in eagerly, uh, eagerly there in anticipation of what Joshua's going to say. What is the plan? How are we going to take the city? How is it going to happen? What are the tactics? Um, <laughs> well, we're going to go for a walk. Um, and we're going to walk round in a circle, and then we're going to go home. 
And then the next day, we're going to walk around. And you can just feel maybe the response of this pumped up group of leaders. Think, you know what? <laughs> it just sounds, let's be honest, pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? It does. It does. But the other leaders needed faith as well to accept what God had said to Joshua. But if that is what God had said, that's what we need to do. But beyond the other wider leadership, there was then the people of God that needed to hear that same message and also get on board. Faith to believe what their leader had said. Uh, but more importantly, that God would do what he said he would do. Faith gets put to the test sometimes, doesn't it? It certainly was here. And I guess you can think of times in your own life where your faith gets put to the test. And the easiest thing in the world is to just think, you know what? I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. You may, you may be feeling right there, right now. Whatever our circumstance, don't give up on your faith. Look at these bizarre instructions. As Joshua is there waiting, God in essence says to him, I'm paraphrasing, okay Joshua, this is the plan. You've got an army of 40 days, yes, says Joshua. I want you to walk around the city blowing trumpets. I want you to do that for six days in a row, and then on the seventh time that you do that, then blow the trumpets, and shout. And then act on what you see happening before you. Imagine that be, being a strategy in this day and age, being kind of like shared as said, this is a strategy for warfare in 2019. Laughable. There was 100% faith in God required because there was no plan B. I got a role at this church, but I tell you what I need. I need people of faith around me all the time. I guess some of us can be more cynical when it comes to that thing of waiting for what specifically God might say to us. Or maybe others of us see the detail or see the hurdles or the obstacles. And all of that can be okay. What's important though is that God's work will never get done without faith. We can do a lot of good stuff here. We can do a lot of man-made things, a lot of man-made events, and we can do things that look okay. But if it's not in response to what God is saying, and doing being done God's way, then God's strength, <coughs> it's a waste of time even start. Isn't it? We need to be people of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And beyond that, um, verse 30 of the same chapter, it was by faith that the walls of Jericho fell down after the people had marched around them for seven days. It was all by faith. Next thing, we need to exercise faith, faith, we need to exercise obedience. Doesn't our obedience depend on what God has asked us to do? Here, humanly speaking, was a stupid set of instructions. And before you think I'm being irreverent to the Word of God, be honest, if you were Joshua, who would have come up with this plan of attack as to what you felt was the right thing of the, uh, to do in terms of securing Jericho? None of us. Let's be honest. None of us. And if anybody had sent you a postcard with this list, list of instructions on it, you would have probably put it in the bin. 
or press your delete button on your laptop. <laughs> Well, time was that. I didn't plan for that. I planned for the music, for the exercises. I didn't plan for that at all. And if you're watching this online and that's woken you up, well, that's not a bad thing. Okay. Now, where was I? Joshua obeyed what God said. I'm not sure what I would have done. I would have felt too embarrassed, I think, to have suggested something so ridiculous as to what Joshua had passed on. <laughs> no, we don't carry on, but you're not going to hear a thing, are you? Okay. What, what's our thing this morning? Overcoming obstacles. Exactly. Last week, carry on. And I am going to carry on. Okay. Let's just be mindful. Any obstacle, particularly if the word of God is being preached, is going to be from one root only, isn't it? Try to focus, despite practical distraction, on what God's word is saying to us. How would we have responded to what God's word says? What man-made stuff, I wonder, are we tempted to put above what God says? Joshua risked losing faith, faith, credibility, supporters, but what mattered more than anything was that he obeyed his God. He understood it was clearly God who had spoken. The Lord said to Joshua, chapter 6, verse 2, and he obeyed immediately. Verse 6, so Joshua called the priests, etc., etc., together, and they then acted on that. There was no second opinion, no members meeting, no other space for other ideas to be considered. What mattered most was what God had said, and he simply obeyed. We often operate quite democratically here, and that's a good thing, I believe, because I do believe God speaks through his people. But we also believe in leadership. Leaders need to often stand up and be counted. And that sense of this is the way we feel that God should go. This is what we believe God's saying to us. And we impart that onto the people of God in anticipation that then God's people will follow. God's people need to recognise that voice of God and then they say, yep, count me in. That's what we did in terms of the move to come here, wasn't it? As an entire uh, church. Our role as supporters and get behind those um, uh, behind those who believe that a particular word is to be of God. That said, just beware, and particularly if you're here visiting, and there will be others as well, uh, we're all maybe mindful that there are times when maybe there's a particular uh, leader who can be quite power crazy. Don't just go for what, what they say, as if, well, there's this amazing anointing on them, whatever they say needs to go. Balance everything that Cheryl said with what you believe the Word of God uh, saying. It's important, I think, uh, to mention that. Some people's motive in leadership does need to be questioned. That's why I'm really thankful that here as a church we've got a sense of plurality within uh, the leadership. I think that's a very healthy uh, thing uh, to do. Pray though that leaders might know God's leading. Even if what they come up with sometimes seems a bit bizarre. If that is what God is saying, then it's the right thing to do. Thankfully for Joshua, God's people also listened and Okay, a few other things quite quickly. We need to exercise courage as well. The Israelites had already been unnerved by that Canaanite prowess. Now they're to march around the walls in full view of their enemy. 
They could have had arrows fired down upon them, or other things hurled upon them, or have even been attacked themselves. But they showed courage. The walls that they were to walk around were around about the same height as the wall that you see behind me. Around about 20 foot high. They were also, in many places, around about 25 foot thick. That's why we know that, that the, uh, the, the, the people have been able to have stood on top and fired all manner of things down at them. They weren't bothered about the strength of the enemy. What matters most was they showed courage in obeying what God had told them to do. It isn't always easy to live out or follow that which is right to live out and follow, is it? Particularly when we know we're living in enemy territory. Or when people would seek to maybe chuck stuff at us, metaphorically, verbally, or whatever. <coughs> I wonder when we think about those big walls, what your wall is. We've all got it. What is your big wall that you are facing today, this week? Jack and Claire, it's great to have these guys back. They're living and working in a very dangerous culture. They need courage. You may well have a difficult family situation, stressful job, a financial burden that's weighing upon you. You may well be in an abusive situation. You know you need to get out. But how does that work out with the whole Christian-y kind of thing and the forgiveness thing? Takes courage, doesn't it? We have groups who are wanting to use our facilities here that don't fit within our ethos. But we don't want to offend anybody. We need courage but a sense of sensitivity and wisdom as to how we respond. Others who may well be looking in, questioning our view on sexuality or on other issues or what we're really about. Others, I can tell you, who will blatantly refuse to promote anything that we do here even if that activity is solely for the benefit of the people of Pangrim, because they don't want to see him. And he courage to still do that which we believe God is calling us to do. We can face criticism, we can face temptation, we can face a whole variety of fears. Joshua must have done so, because in chapter 1, what was it three times that God said to him? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I don't know what your view is on Brexit, and I'm not really bothered really, but there's a lot, a lot of courage that's needed to work that whole thing through, isn't there? And just as a light-hearted comment, this flew into my uh, my intray on email this week. Apparently, uh, OXO are issuing a new cube to celebrate Brexit. It's called the Laughing Stock. <laughs> that was just a little bit of an aside, just a little bit of an aside, don't look too heavily into that or too deeply. Two things before we close, we need to also exercise patience. Patience. Sometimes we want to get on and do. There's a passion, sense of urgency, but if it is not God's time, then our efforts are going to fail. Maybe we can imagine the, uh, the Israelites questioning Joshua's tactics. Marching, but marching more than once, keep on going round it day after day. What about the now? What about the sense of urgency? Why, why, why? Because that is what God said. Simple. That was all they needed to take on board. 
we need to remember that as well. For those of us maybe want to start new things, to action today, to see that sense of urgency, so eager to be a part of doing something that is going to be bring apart and bring about lasting change. We need to recognise God's time. There's something within this passage that seems to remind us, I think, really helpfully, that what is so key is time. But the waiting is uncomfortable, isn't it? For some of you, the waiting for five seconds for me to say that next word was uncomfortable. God's time. And by way of closing, something that is separate in one sense to the exercise and stuff that's for the people of God. This passage comes with a health warning, a spiritual health warning. Because there's a contrast we see here, and you can't ignore it, of judgment and salvation, when we see the complete destruction of those who did not heed God's word. And Rahab though listed as a prostitute, had faith in God. She and all those with her who heeded God's word were shown grace and were spared. She was living within a people who did not trust God and was therefore destined for judgment, like we are. But she was spared through God's grace. And I dare say it's very easy for us to think, but she was a... Now, you're not going to like the word, because this is church on a Sunday morning. Prostitute. Pardon? She was a prostitute. Oh, don't like that, do we? In actual fact, let me use a different word. She was a sinner. Now she doesn't sound any different to you, does she? In fact, we've got a different view of a, of a prostitute than we've got the person sitting next to us. And yet in God's eyes, we are all sinners in need of the grace of God. That's what Rahab needed, and that's what you need. Regardless of you being here at church on a Sunday morning, regardless of our good works, regardless of the nice middle-class clothes we may well tend to wear, we are sinners in need of God's Forgiveness. I dare say many of us will know the most famous verse in the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, I'm not going to read that. I'm going to read the two verses after that that we tend to not read. This is what we read in John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Grace is offered. But our acceptance by Almighty God, this good, good Father that we sung about, is only coming about in response to that which we either believe or do not believe. Rahab believed. So whatever a lifestyle, just like whatever you have done, all that's wiped out. By faith, you're saved. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 
8. Joshua then told the men in chapter 6, verse 27, those men that spied out the land that were helped by Rahab to go into her house before all the land knows destruction and then to bring her out. To bring her out so that she would be spared from being destroyed. What a picture of God's amazing grace. I don't know what you're facing right now or this week, but for some of us, our prayer with whatever it is that we're embroiled with or that we're facing or challenged by, make your prayer, God, bring me out. Because unless God brings you out and me out, we're doomed in destruction. Are we not? Let's make that our prayer before we respond in coming back to what matters most and Jesus being the centre. If you want to know how that can be made real for you, then do speak to one of us, Chris, one of the leaders who dealt with celebrations. David, who sat in the uh, cafe area, and we'd love to share with you. If you'd like somebody to pray with you about the wall that you're facing, or what you need to be brought out from, we have a prayer ministry team by the side of the, of the hall here, uh, where others are getting coffee. Make the most of that opportunity. Watching this online, take time out now. There's no time like the present if God has spoken. Let's pray. Father God, we've had obstacles this morning through different noises coming in. We don't know where they're rooted in, but it, it's so easy to find our mind and our eyes distracted to other things. We pray that you might help us to hear that which you have said to us as your people of God, but also to me individually. God, if you've spoken, would you give us that sense of faith, obedience and courage to do that which you have said now in Jesus name